can have your seats. So grateful for you to be here. We're excited to get into the word today. Uh, we talked about Sarah last week um, in this series of God's leading ladies and how God will plant um, an assignment, but he may not necessarily allow the person who plants it to be the one that carries it. And that's the significance of Sarah in the midst of her getting past her own ability uh, to do anything. God, after she couldn't do it in her own flesh, God steps in and says, no, I still have a purpose for your life. Sarah really spoke to the fact that sometimes in our impatience, we will try to produce really what only God can deliver through his promise. And in the midst of it all, we learn that even our mistakes, even our failures don't define our destiny. So many of us are, have been defined by our history, but God defines us by the destiny that he's given us since the beginning of time. How many of you know that you can't reach a problem that God doesn't know about before you get there? There's not a single thing that you go through that is a surprise to God. Um, I said that in this church before, that when you go through something, God does not call an emergency meeting with the angels and say, boys, what are we going to do about this? See, before you get to it, he's already got it solved. That stuff that you've got anxiety that we get, we build up anxiety and worry about in our hearts and in our minds, he's already got an answer for it. How many of you know that God is so much God that he has a solution before you knew there was a problem? How many of you know that sometimes you won't even uh, go through some things sometimes because he solves it before it even gets to you? That's just how big he is. And so what does that say to us about our response to God? It means that we sometimes have to stop telling God about our problems and begin to tell our problems about how big our God is. Somebody say amen in here. We've got to begin to realize that God really did come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. He didn't design for us to simply exist, to simply go through the motions in life. But if you are here breathing and moving, no matter what you're going through, your purpose has not been assassinated. Your purpose is not over. It's not over for you. God has better things for you. If you're sitting next to somebody, just tell them God has better for you. Tell them there's more than this. Tell them it doesn't end here. See, the enemy will try and lead you to believe that this is the best that it's ever going to be for you. This is all you can ever hope for is what you're going through right now. But God has so much more for each and every one of you. And that scripture in Ephesians 3.20 that says he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. That means if you think about the greatest, I'm not even in my message yet. If you think about the biggest prayer that you could ever pray and you, 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 you say, God, this is the absolute biggest and most amazing, marvelous thing that I could ever pray. God goes beyond that and says, I'm able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think. And then the rest of that verse says, according to the power that works in you. So that means that he's given us a Holy Spirit that he's put inside of us to accomplish great things in our life. So I need you to know before we even get to this message that there's more for you. And, and the reason I'm setting it up this way is because if you don't realize that's more for you, you will jump off the ship before the ship gets to its destination. You will quit too soon. You will, you will sit there and you'll hit these walls that you feel the enemy has put in your way. And rather than allowing the Holy Ghost to bulldoze it and walk through it, you'll turn and go back to what's familiar. I'm already halfway through my message. But God's leading ladies. God, God's leading ladies. And, and really, God put it on my heart. I, I initially was going to preach something else the month of May, but he wouldn't leave this thought for me about how he has worked through the lives of women all throughout Scripture, and we can all 
lift principles from that. And what most times we do is we sit there and we say, okay, there's women, so we're just going to teach women. But really the reality is, is he's taken, he's put some principles in the life of women that both men and women can benefit from if we'll just go in his word. So this uh, Sunday, we talked about Sarah last week. We're going to talk about Ruth this week. And the title of the message is Staying Power. How many of you know you've got to have power to stay sometimes? Sometimes you're tempted to run away from what God is doing in your life, but you've got to have power to stay because your destiny is not in leaving, even though leaving may be easier. How many of you know sometimes it's easier to not go through? Can we be real in here? It's easy to not go through because you can be struggling so much. Watch this. You can be struggling so much that you'll be like, look, the promise is not even worth it anymore. You'd be like, it's not, it's, not, it's not even worth going through all that I've got to go through to get to what God has for me. That's the enemy's lie. But the reality is, is that when you get where God has for you, it's just like he said, just like when you, you, you finally have, uh, as a woman, have given birth at the end of that. You're like, man, the, the nine months of carrying it, the nine months of going through the pains and the kicks and the discomfort was all worth it when you saw that beautiful baby come out. Come on. And the same thing is true of your destiny. You feel like, now, I'm going through the labor pains right now. I know God is doing something. Just like a baby. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it feels like, but I know he's doing something. And if you, yeah, I'll say it. If you abort it before it's allowed to come to full term and give birth, you'll miss what God has for you. And so we've got to have staying power in this walk with God. Proverbs 24.10 says this. It says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And so we, many times, we take adversity as an if, but really adversity is a, a, it's not if you're going through it, it's when you're going to go through it. And when you're going through adversity, it's so important to have the right voices and the right people around you. Come on, how many of you know, you, 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 can be, you can be doing bad and somebody will talk to you and make it worse. <laughs> you know, you said, uh, look, I was already down and now I'm out because I listened to your foolishness. <laughs> Let's just be real in the church, you know, because some of our spirituality is actually in being in realness, not rude, being real. The fact that, look, I know you're saved, but right now I can't talk to you because you are not operating in the right spirit. <laughs> and so there's sometimes that you've got to tell people, look, I can't talk to you right now. I'll preach to myself today because some of y'all may be sitting next to the people you don't want talking to. <laughs> All right. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. The word small actually means limited, which means that it's not that you don't have any strength, but it's that your strength can only go to a certain point. I remember Bishop Jakes was saying something. He said that you'll come across three people in your life. You'll come across people who are uh, confidants. Those are people who are with you no matter what. You know, ride or die, that's how we call it. They are with you no matter what. They see the good, the bad, the ugly with you, and they say, you know what? I'm not getting off the ship because I'm assigned to be with you. God has called me to be with you. But then you have constituents. See, those constituents are people who are with you as long as you're for what they're for. Long as you help them get somewhere. Long as, long as you, you're sliding them a little something. They, they, they're with you. But when what you slide in them runs out, then they run out. They're, they're constituents. They're, they're just there for what you can do for them. Then you have comrades. They're not, they're not with you through the thick and thin. They're not ride or die. They're not 
um, even what you're for what you're for. They're just against what you're against. So as long as they can get you to join in their gossip, as long as they can get you to, to speak against what they're speaking against, they're with you. But when you say, look, I'm not having any foolishness with that. I'm not getting involved with that. Then they're gone too. So God, in the midst of this, why am I saying this? I'm getting to Ruth. But why I'm saying this is because you have to have the right people in your life. It's so important to have the right. Listen to what I said. You don't need a lot of people in your life, but you need the right people in your life. Because if, not, if you're not careful, you only put people around you that tell you what you want to hear. And here, I was sharing with somebody this week, because this is so important to me. How many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, you're my pastor? And you don't, don't be ashamed. You're not. So, so if, you understand, if you understand that, that means that God has assigned me to your life to pull, help pull the purpose out of your life that God has for you. And I'm not trying to get anything from you, but sometimes I'm going to say things that challenge you to go to another level. And the problem is that sometimes people want people around them who allow them to stay where they are. To stay where they're comfortable. But, but if a pastor, really pastor, had been assigned to your life, he's constantly going to be just poking you a little bit. He just, he just, he's just, it, it, you know what it feels like? Sometimes it feels like nagging. Because you, you try to show us all that's going good. Be real. Isn't that what we post? We post a smile. Oh, that's my boo. That's my honey. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then when you, you log off, he's sorry. <laughs> Can I preach? So Ruth really tells us this. What, what, what we learn from the story of Ruth is this, is that in the midst of foolishness and mess going on all around you, there's always a remnant of righteousness. There's always good in the midst of bad. There's always sunshine in the midst of the storm, even if you can't see it. There's always a breakthrough, even if all you see is the wall of cement in front of you. And this story tells us that. Before we get that, Paul said this in Romans 8.28. He says that we know, talking about believers, talking about you and me, we know. He didn't say we think. He says we know that God causes some things. Y'all paying attention? He causes all things to work together for the good of those who do what? Love God and what? Those who are called according to his purpose. Say, that's me. Come on, hit your chest. Say, that's me. You are called according to God's purpose. So what does that mean? Does it mean that everything that I deal with is good? Absolutely not. Man, I just got run over by God's car. I'm good. No, some things you deal with, they're bad. Be real. Some folk you get around. But he says this. He says that we know. No, we are intimately acquainted as believers with the fact that he is able to weave all things together for good. So that means that the enemy cannot throw anything at you that causes you to abort your purpose. Come on. So that means that what I'm looking at right now, some of you right now, you're listening to me, but in front of you, in your mind, is your opposition and what you're going through in your life. But I want to tell you, even that thing that's in your heart right now, that thing that's scaring you out of your mind, God is able to weave it together for good. Why? Because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean it doesn't say that we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who are perfect. 
No, it says, look, at the end of the day, I'm flesh, I make mistakes, I fail, I mess up, I don't say everything the right way, but he's able to sew it and weave it together for good so that when it's finished, you've got this beautiful life of destiny and purpose fulfilled. Why? Because you love him and you're called. Say, that's me. God never stops being active in the life of the faithful. He never stops being active in the life of the faithful. But we're going to find from the story that being faithful is not always easy. Because there's some folk who can be faithful when everything is going all right. Jesus had some of those folk. Remember I told you, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I told you, they were cool with him as long as he was fixing them fish dinners. Even they even went across the river. Jesus, where did you go? And Jesus looked around. He said, y'all not following me because you saw sign and wonders. You're following me because you ate and got filled. And then he starts talking to them about commitment. And they're like, we out. We, 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 we were good as long as we were eating. But now that you want something from us, you want some commitment from us, you got some men out there like that. They're good as long as you. Next February. <laughs> Do you want me to leave this, Lord? Okay, I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. Ruth chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. It says, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you find rest in each in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said to her, no, but we will surely return with you to your people. So we've got Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and, and Orpah. And now everybody in their, their family, pretty much in their life, their immediate, is dead. They're gone. And so now Naomi is telling her daughter-in-laws, look, y'all go back. Y'all go back. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I'll pray over you, speak over you. I'll go on back about your business because there's not, no real good in following me. And so here at this point, they both say to her, no, we surely will return with you and to your people. And I began to think about this for a minute as I was reading this. And here's the principle that I drew from this. Sometimes those who express permanent loyalty only demonstrate temporary commitment. Those who express permanent loyalty, and you've all heard them, we've all heard them, I'm with you till the end. Uh, and no matter what, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, if you're going through, I'm going through. You, heard, you ever had people like that in your life? Call me for anything and I'll be right there. And then when you call them, they're not there. Oh, I didn't, you know what? I didn't get the text. <laughs> you get every other text, but you didn't get that one. Those who, so those who always be people around you and in your life, they, they express it to you. They tell you they got your back. They tell you they're with you. But, but when you're getting ready, you just stumble. You get weak. They can't even. Come on. You got people like that. And I think part of that design is the fact that though we all need each other and that we should be in interdependent at times, that God never wants anybody more reliant on flesh than they are on God. So... Yeah, that's a good place to praise him right there because, because realize this, that, that what, what 
happens in our life is if we're not careful, we always look for man to do what only God can do. We'll look for man to fulfill something that only God can fulfill. And at, at some point, you end up getting frustrated and dissatisfied because there's, there's a void in your life that flesh cannot fill. It was never designed that way from the beginning of time. God designed that we live in community with each other, that, that we, we live in relationship with each other. But at the end of the day, when all else fails, you've got to be able to look to God and say, at the end, of the, it's only you. It's only you by that, that I live and move and have my being. It's only you that I have breath in my body. It's only you that wakes me up another day. Because in this, this, this consumer-driven society of Christianity today, we, all we tell you is what you want and how to get it. But the reality is, do you realize that if God does not say wake up in the morning, you're not getting up? We inhale and we exhale because of him. We put one foot in the other because of him. You say, well, I got pain in my body. Well, we limp because of him too. We're able to do whatever we do only by the grace and the mercy of God. And while everybody else says there's not hope for, for, for the body of Christ and church anymore to get back to a place where we actually love God because he is God. We actually worship God because he is God. We actually serve him with gladness because of all that he's done for us. I say that we can get back to that. We can get our focus back on the God who's able to do anything but fail. Mm. Don't you know that if he can, I, I promise you I'll finish this message, but don't you know that if he can speak the sun, the moon, and the stars into place, don't you know that if he can separate the waters from the land, that your situation is not too difficult for him? Because ever since Genesis, all God ever needed to do to, to, to see something was to say something. And so when God sees you, the one that he loves, the apple of his eye, the one that he, he, he knew and formed before you even could understand yourself, all he has to do is look at your situation and say, be healed. And that's it. It may take a little while for you to walk it out, but all he got to do is just speak over you. You say, I need peace. I need hope. All he's got to do is just speak over you and bring it to bed. Somebody say amen in this place. Back to Ruth. And so here we go, continuing the scripture says, but Naomi again says, return my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in the womb that may be your husbands? Return my daughters. So now Naomi's telling her daughter-in-law go back, get away from me. There is no good with me. Have you ever felt like Naomi where you were going through so much testing yourself that you didn't even want people around you? Look, get, my, my trial is contagious. If you get too close to me, you might, have, you might be going through what I go through. And so you tell them. And so what happens is we go through so much, when we need people the most, we start pushing them away. Let's be real in this church today. You start pushing them away. You need encouragement, but when somebody says something to lift you up, say, get away from me. I'm stuck in my mess, and that's why I need to stay. That's what she's doing. Have I yet sons in return? Go for I'm too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, Naomi's lost hope. If I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they're grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. Walking with me is hard. Get away from me. You ever had somebody, God connected you to him, but it's hard to walk with him. Hmm. Staying power. Somebody say staying power. 
It's harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. Something different happens. Remember at the beginning of the scripture, they say, no, we surely will stay with you. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. One realizes that their destiny is tied not to leaving, but staying. One realizes, you know what? I, I, I've done what I should have done. I've said, I, I, I've tried to be committed, but she's insistent on me going, so I'm going to go. Ruth clung to her. Listen to what Naomi says. Then she said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. If you have a Bible, underline that. This is critically important. Return after your sister-in-law. Here's the principle. When hard times come, we will always return to whatever we truly worship. Listen to what Naomi says. She says, look, your, your sister has gone back to her people and her gods. So now that it's hard for me, she's going back to where her true center of worship is. Hear me, hear this, Pastor, when I tell you this. Whenever you are really pressed and struggling, either you're going to drop to your knees and pray and worship God, or you're going to run back to what you're used to. And sometimes you run back to stuff that's not good for you. We need to sometimes pull the cover out of Some of us, when we get pressed and when we get struggling, then we run back to our keyboard and our computer and turn the light off. And say nobody sees, nobody knows. So we run, we run back to that. Some of us, we run back to the website. Because I don't feel the affection that I should feel. Can we be real? Can we get healed today? How many of you want some healing in the house today? You will always, listen, hear me as a prophetic word. You will always go back to what you worship. That's what hard times when you're struggling, it's designed to push you to God. But if you don't worship God, you're going back to whatever idol you have. So she said, I, so if I was Orpah, she's saying, look, Ruth, uh, Naomi, I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to stay committed. But you're right. I've got to turn around and go back to what's familiar. That's why some of us, when we get pressed, we go back to the cabinet. I'm saved, but I go back to Quiet in here. Sometimes you need to be quiet to get healed. When we get pressed, we find numbers we should have lost. We reattach to people that God separated us from. All because it's hard. Here's Ruth's response, however. It's very different from Orpah. But Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you will go, I will go. Where you lodge or live, I will lodge or live. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Wherever you die, that's where I'm going to die. And there, I'll be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Somebody say real commitment. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. 
Sometimes we get to a point where we got to stop pushing people away. People that God has set and assigned to your life. You got you to gotta stop pushing them away and say, look, this is just me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And for some reason, I'm assigned to your life. And I'm not going anywhere. God always honors wholehearted commitment. It is Genesis to Revelation. When you have given God your whole heart and say, God, I'm yours. And I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. You can take to the bank that he's going to honor it. Now, the, the, the thing we have to understand about Ruth is, at that point, Ruth is not looking for anything. She is simply demonstrating godly commitment no matter what. How many of you have been ride or die without something to get out of it? Be, be honest, because as human beings, we always want something. How many of you, want, you, you want something sometimes. When you go to the store, you want something. You don't, go, you don't go to the store to just say, hey, what a wonderful grocery. <laughs> you, you, you want something. And you have to give something up in order to receive. But here, Ruth is saying, look, no, I'm just with you because I'm supposed to be with you. When we're faithful to God, we will be faithful to those he puts in our life. So here's the reality. You can't sit here and say, I'm committed to God, I'm all in with God, and not be all in with the people he's assigned to you. John said it like this. How can you say you love God who you don't see, and you can't love the people that's in front of you every day? Let's continue. She says to them, don't call me Naomi. Now, this is, this is significant. I want to teach you something here. It says, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So the word Naomi in the Hebrew actually means pleasantness. And she's saying, now because of what I've gone through and what I've went through in life, don't call me pleasant anymore, call me bitter. My life has gone from being sweet and pleasant to being bitter. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned and with her Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the harvest. We like Naomi, often confuse our identity with our situations. Hmm. We allow what we are going through to define who we are. And you've got to realize that when, when Jesus came, this is a good principle to understand, when Jesus came, he was baptized by John, and the first thing that God says to him is, this is my, my, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, he says, this is who you are before Jesus ever does anything. He speaks to his identity before he ever does a single work. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't set anybody free. He hadn't multiplied fish and bread. He hasn't opened blinded eyes. None of it. And he says, you're my son. I'm already pleased with you. Let me help you understand something. Your test, your trial, your struggle does not define you. Never allow your trial to name you. Is there a church still in here? Don't allow 
your trial to determine your name. Because whatever names you and defines you has authority over you. When you name something, you take authority over that thing. That's why when a child is born, who gives them the name? The parent gives them the name because the parent has authority over the child. If you begin to name yourself what you are going through, you are turning over authority. How does that sound? I'm going to die of this. Right? It's never going to be any better. This is my life. And listen, I'm not discounting the hard times or the struggles that we all face because we do. But the reality is that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of chaos, I've got to be able to see God's peace in the midst of it all. I've got to be able to see my healing through the sickness. I've got to be able to see my provision through the famine. I've got to be able to see that God God has more for me in the midst of my solitude and aloneness, loneliness. Are you with me? Just because God is silent does not mean he's absent. You've heard this before, but you, 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 you've been in school where you had to take a test, right? You know, and the, the teacher comes around, they pass out the, the paper and the test paper and number two pencil. Never understood why it had to be a number two pencil. but They, they give you the number two pencil. And what does the teacher do? Teacher goes back to the desk. Right? Every now and then they'll look up. They're not talking, right? They just look up, look around. But I always noticed that somewhere where one or two people started getting finished with their test and they started getting finished, then what the teacher does is now the teacher gets up, starts to walk around the room, looking at the papers. Not saying anything. Question for you is is the teacher absent or silent? Teacher's not absent, present, but they're not talking. Somewhere when people get close to finish being finished with the test, he says, All right. When you're done, hand in your paper. Or they come by and pick it up. They turn it over. I want to prophetically speak to you today that God is getting ready to stand up in your life. You haven't heard him. You haven't felt him. But he's always been there. And he's getting ready to say it. Your, your test just about over. You've done well. You passed. I've been watching you the whole time. You haven't heard me, but I've been here. You say, God, I've been in pain. Why didn't you say anything? Because you just simply had to go through because there's a level of me and a level in me that you needed to get to know that you didn't know yet. I needed to see you walk through this test. You made it. You didn't fail. I've been here. You know when I came by to look at the paper and looked over there and grunted, it was like, hmm, I was just trying to tell you maybe go this way. Maybe choose B instead of C. Those little nudges that God gives you in the silence. It's just trying to help you along the way. I want you to know God believes in you. You know why he believes in you? Because he created you. <laughs> Weaknesses and all. Flaws and all. Mistakes and all. He believes in you. Believes in your purpose, but it's up to you 
to walk it out. Our adversities often are God's opportunities. What we're running from is the thing that he's going to use to take us to the next level. Am I talking to anybody in here? That, that thing, people, people often say, Pastor, why, why, why don't I get a breakthrough? And sometimes I have to say, do you know that your breakthrough is, close, is as close as the last thing he gave you to do that you didn't do yet? Some of us fear, fear, why won't God get involved in this? He can't intervene where he's not invited. So obedience invites him into that situation. You say, God, move, God, move, God, move. And he's saying, I just want you to do this, whatever your this is. For some of you, it's somebody you need to forgive. For, for, for some of us, it's just a change in direction, a change in the way we think. For some of us, we, you know, we... We need to release whatever God has told us to release, and we just keep hanging on to it. And God says, okay, it's, it's up to you. You do it. It's different for all of us. Earthly challenges, I'll leave you with this, are stepping stones to God's promotion. See, you look at the challenge as, I don't know why I'm going through it, but God looks at the challenge like that staircase right there. And everyone takes you higher. I want y'all to let that sink in for a minute. Close your eyes while I talk to you. I just want to speak into your hearts and pray over you. I feel like so many of us came in today and it's almost like you're willing, watch this, to give God every part of your life but that one. You say, well, pastor, what's that one? Well, you know what it is. God, I'll give you my service. I'll give you this. I'll give you that, but you can't have this. I don't trust you with this yet. And it's the very area that he's saying, I want to do the most in your life, and I need you to just say, God, say yes to me. So, I want us to get some healing today. And so if you're here and you're saying, Lord, there's unsurrendered areas in my life. Here's what unsurrendered looks like. It just means something you won't give to God. It's almost like you're saying, God, first I, I want you to do this, then I'll surrender it to you. Don't feel any shame. Nobody's looking around. This is not about shame. This is about freedom. So if that's you, stick your hand up quickly. Amen. 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 You can put it down. Secondly, you're here and you just, you, let's, let's just not even try and be fancy about it. You need a miracle. You're here and if God, here's, the, here's how a miracle sounds. You're here, if God does not do it, it won't get done. Hands up if that's you. Amen. Thank you for your, your honesty. If you're physically able to stand up, please, please do that. I just want you to, and, and glance at me real quick just to see how my, I have my hands right now. And that's if you, you're comfortable just lifting your hands like this. Um, 
to do that as an act of surrender to God, saying to God, I'm willing to receive. I, I want to receive what you have for me. Father, I pray for every single person in this room today. When you went and you spoke to people in situations, you didn't have to scream. You spoke the word of God with authority, and things happened. And so first, God, I come to you. I speak to those who have admitted there's areas in their lives that are not completely surrendered to you, and I ask that you give them the courage and the strength to surrender those things now that they would walk out with a greater level of freedom. Lord, they surrender their, that, that, that relationship to you. They surrender those resources to you. They surrender that job to you, that boss to you, that coworker, that, that fellow comrade or student. They, they, they surrender all of that to you, that you give them the wisdom to navigate relationships, the wisdom to understand what to do and when to do it, what to say and when to say it. And God, now I speak over those who said, I need a miracle. I just need you to perform a miracle in my life and my situation. Lord, I pray over them right now. I speak the unlimited favor of God over their lives. I speak miracles into their situation. Lord, those who are struggling with physical things, Lord, I command every sickness, you stubborn sickness and spirit of infirmity to leave. <sighs> Felt something. You go. Leave their body. Leave their mind in the name of Jesus. I command every self-defeating thought to go in the name of Jesus. You spirit that tells them I'm going to die, you leave in the name of Jesus. You foul spirit that tells them they have to earn their healing. Go. In Jesus' name. Healing is not earned, it's received. I command that battlefield of the mind to have a ceasefire right now. Those thoughts that are going like, like almost shotguns in people's minds devil put your weapon of lies accusation and deception down in the name of Jesus repeat after me with power I am who God says I am I can do what God says I can do I'll never be the same another day in my life I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed. My children are blessed. My family is blessed. My home is blessed. My storehouse is blessed. In Jesus' name, I walk in divine favor. Every shackle over my mind, over my heart, over my body is destroyed, dissolved, and defeated. In Jesus' name, 
I receive faith. I receive life. I receive hope. I have a destiny. I have a purpose. I have a future. I am undefeated because my God is undefeated. And I believe that he is able, well able, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can think or imagine. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' strong name, I pray, I decree, I declare, and I count it done. Amen. Come on and celebrate Jesus in here. Listen, I believe God for your future. I believe something happened in this place today. I believe things have been accomplished in your minds and in your hearts. Don't leave till I get a chance to shake your hand outside. Don't forget... um, Aaron's got a project going on next week from 9 to 2. There's a sign-up outside uh, for that. If you want to get involved in that, don't have to be there at the whole time for that, but you can come anytime. No artistic talent required. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over this house, and we thank you. We're grateful for what has been accomplished today. Speak safety and favor over their week. Speak courage and faith into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.